Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I have another international guest with me this time, a returning guest for his third time. Maciek Taubert is returning to talk about Let's Get This Over With off of I Like Fun. The drumbeat never changes tempo. It's steady like a rock, and like a rock, it crushes you as it gets louder. The drum gets louder, and louder, and you know there is no parking on the dance floor. And when you wake up, you can feel your hair grow, crawl out of your cave, and you can watch your What's up, my man? Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. I know. We did those two so long ago, and it was uh, Poland week, and I aired them both on the same week. Let's see. How did that work? Because he did one, and then it was I was way ahead again, and it was like a month later, and I was going to air it, and then we did another one because people were demanding the communists have the music which you had claimed. Mm-hmm. So we just went ahead and did, and did that, and then I aired them both in the same week. That was... When was that? Um, okay, you did I've Got a Match. We aired on April 23rd, and Communists Have the Music we aired on April 25th. So people got a double dose of you, but that was over a year ago. By the time this airs, it might be like a year and a half ago. They've been missing you, man. They've been clamoring. I'm getting just like flood of emails just like people like when is uh Machi coming back what's the deal <laughs> yes i'm sure you have i'm sure you have <laughs> uh no for real though i mean you, those episodes were great and i'm glad to have you back uh and so we talked about a very old song i've got a match we talked about a very new song communist said the music and then i guess this one is only like 11 months older than communists since one came out at the beginning of 2018 and communists came out at the end of 2018 um though when do communists I still consider it a new song yeah well yeah i mean all three of the 2018 albums are essentially their new albums and i'm wondering about what's going to happen i mean i wonder if uh if all the the pandemic stuff clears up enough for them to get back in the studio there's potential that a new They Might Be Giants album could be out by the time this episode comes out. 
because they already had, I think, six songs recorded from what I cobbled together from talking to Danny and from like Instagram posts and stuff. Because he said they go in and record batches of songs, and they had gone in twice. So I'm guessing anywhere from six to eight songs are done. But for them, that's only like half an album. Because they don't do 10-song albums. They do, you know, 15 to 20-song albums. <laughs> so, but, you know, maybe uh, we'll, we'll be able to, to claim you a brand new new song. You know, none of this two-years-old song stuff. Yeah, I just can't wait. But I, um, I imagine that after the plague, uh, it's the, the the world is going to be ripe with new music and art and, gen- and generally everything because yeah. people are going to uh, just keep making stuff, just not to go insane uh, in in quarantine. So yeah. uh, looking forward to the next uh, thing that they might be giants produce, no matter what. I can imagine if uh, anything, if people are anything like me or the few musicians I've talked to, um, the songwriters of bands are writing by themselves. And then as soon as the, their bands can get back together, you'll be like, hey, I got a whole new album. Now I'm going to teach it to you. Like this whole chart I got back uh-huh. here. This is our Outdoor Valor's upcoming album being demoed out by me. Um, I mean, some of it's being properly recorded and other stuff. I'm just like, okay, here guys, this is like the framework and our saxophone guys are starting to come up with stuff by themselves. Uh, keyboards. They've actually sent me some keyboards over Google drive, uh, to put into the demo. So, so things aren't completely coming to a halt, but it kind of depends band by band, how they operate. But I can imagine Linnell and Flansburg in their own separate places of residence, just like have kicked out like 20 songs a piece by now. (laughs) that's probably yeah i mean that's just kind of how they operate i mean they probably i mean even if you just took the quarantine related subjects and twisted them into they might be giants lyrics i mean that is like enough inspiration for them i mean they're inspired by like a girl with bangs so like this seems like good lyrical fodder to (laughs) like inspire a whole new album (laughs) yeah or like a Miniature sidewalk whirlwind. Anything can happen. Exactly. Yeah. So people could go back to those previous episodes, scroll all the way back in the podcast feed to April of 2019 to hear check on here twice. Two awesome episodes. Go check those out and you can hear about his story of how uh, he got into the MIP Giants and how hard it is being a MIP Giants fan in Poland, have you found any more fans there since... Because last time we talked, you're like, there's nobody except me that likes them here. They've never played here. (laughs) Have you found anyone? Uh, It turns out, and uh, it turned out by accident, that uh, my colleague from uh, work uh, is aware and considers herself a fan of They Might Be Giants. Awesome. Which which came as a a surprise. And uh, it was because, uh, as as you know, I'm... uh, I deal in video editing, and uh, I was uh, tasked with uh, editing a small video for internal use, and uh, we could go crazy with it. Like we, we could uh, have uh, insane animations and uh, use all the resources we could download from the internet yeah. without worrying about any kind of copyright. That was great. So I, of course, I used a, a "They Might Be Giants" song, and uh, song? I'll be it. Uh, the um, Particle Man. Of course. <laughs> uh, but I used 
But I used the cover uh, from that uh, cover album that uh, came out recently, for which I am eternally grateful to its creators because it's just great. And uh, yeah, so this was the they might be shit posting uh, tribute compilation. Yes, yes, I think that's a that fl- that flawed combination uh, compilation. Uh, anyway, they. Uh, my my colleague, uh, all my videos go through her, uh, so uh, she heard it and she said that she likes that band, and I was uh, surprised. Awesome! And so yeah, so uh, that's that's they're really nice. Next time they play in Europe, I know who to uh, you know uh, ask to come to the concert with me. Yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, I know there were a few Particle Man covers on that. Do you remember whose it was? I know that it wasn't Dracula's necrophilia, necrophobic actions. <laughs> it was the other guys uh, that sounded like a bunch of uh, mariachi. I don't remember the, uh, uh, let's the, see. the na- band name right now. Cat Voltron? Yes, I think so. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Because, you know, Dracula's... Uh, a necrophobic actions <laughs> just rolls off the tongue and that's why i remembered it but not cat voltron so that's a pretty cool name too so i'm not sure how concerned <laughs> your company is with things getting leaked but i bet cat voltron would love to see their thing used in a video for their personal viewing i'd love oh, no, to see the it. video was quite it was quite, quite ghastly i mean i can show it to you and i can show it to cat voltron if i find it but uh, it was uh, apart from uh, being able to use uh, any song i want because it's internal and not being broadcast uh, right. it was i used they might be giants for the sole pers- uh, purpose of not feeling that uh, i'm just creating uh, you know corporate uh, fodder I found their SoundCloud page, and you can send messages on there if you want to find out who they really are. Zach, I think is the name, in Kansas City, right in the middle of the United States. And Cat Voltron has a cat as their picture, of course. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll be sure to contact them, but I, I doubt whether they will uh, appreciate it. Anyway, that's... Uh, <laughs> Come on, it's a shitposting co- group that did it. I think probably the weirder it is, the better. Right? Well, you're kind of right. We were allowed to go full shitpost with our uh, <laughs> internal video. So, yeah. So, what was this for? Why, why were people spending time doing a video just for your own selves? Was it a workplace safety uh, video? <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be great, uh, but not quite. Uh, it was uh, like we had a conference or something. Um, I didn't, I didn't attend because I had uh, other plans. But uh, we uh, so so those videos were our sole presence at the conference okay. because we all the all the editors uh, incidentally had other plans. Uh, so. Um, so, so yeah, they they were just uh, illustrations of uh, our company's uh, prowess. Gotcha. So it wasn't for commercial use, but other people did see it. Yes, yes, some other people did see it. I gotcha. Showing off, showing off a bit. I would love to know what the, what what the crowd's reaction was to Particle Man, and how many people in the crowd knew 
they might be giants. That would be interesting to gauge. Yeah, that's, a, f- a focus group of Polish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons I uh, kind of uh, regretted uh, not going to that conference. But uh, uh, you know, other plans. Yeah. 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 Let's uh, yeah, let's jump right into it because uh, we both have. Well, I mean, the time change here, the time difference rather, uh, is is pretty large, and you've got parents coming over. Are they coming over for dinner because it's about dinner time for you. Uh, well, sort of. They sometimes uh, drop by to uh, check if uh, I'm okay and right. uh, bring some food. Yes, which is always nice. Hell yeah, yeah. Home homemade food, which isn't homemade by me, which means it's good. <laughs> Uh, you got some and, pierogies uh, coming? <laughs> uh, no, actually, I've got uh, zupa grochowa coming. I've got uh, like a pea soup and uh, some cabbage. Of course. Yeah, I mean, very, you know, you can't have a Polish dish without either cabbage or potatoes in it. It's got to be, you know, those are the two required ingredients. <laughs> Of course, that's basically all we eat is brown stuff with potatoes. <laughs> brown stuff, yeah. <laughs> brown, tan, any varying shades of white white to brown yeah. and anything in between. <laughs> <laughs> As you drink a, a, a brown drink. <laughs> yes. I switched to coffee Yeah, from energy drinks. You must have a good uh, caffeine tolerance like I do, drinking coffee, and it's about 7 p.m. for you. Uh, well, yeah, I can I can fall asleep always, anywhere, and anytime. So <laughs> same, uh, same. <laughs> so you talked about anyway. a song off of My Murdered Remains, but you have not done a song off of I Like Fun. Technically, they're from the same cycle of dial-a-song stuff. Uh, and and just browsing through, um, just looking at the wiki real quick, I scrolled down um, and saw that this song is ranked at number 16 out of the 910 votable songs on the wiki is it really insane i didn't yeah again we were looking for covers we only found two of them it's ranked number 16 amongst the fans but nobody's covering it what's the deal with that i can only guess because the song itself is very catchy it's got uh, a very catchy beat and uh the, the clapping and uh choir and everything yeah 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 let's talk about those musical elements because i think when someone i mean i also think that opening tracks of an album have an advantage because i mean they make that first impression right and Mm -hmm. so many good songs and i was going through and nearly nearly every they might be giants album starts with a linnell song they usually don't start with the weird ones um, I mean, Flans has written plenty of good power pop ones. Dig My Grave is a Flans song that starts an album. Um, but most albums start with a Linnell song, and this is no exception. And you want to come out of the gate with a catchy one. And I think a big part of this is is the melody and the drums and the tempo. And he mentions the tempo in the lyrics. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The drums? It's a song uh, that talks about itself. Yeah, I mean, I always love when that that kind of easily comes into play. Like when I talk with Brian Doherty about bells are ringing, how like the, I mean, there's bell type sounds and uh, and the lyrics are about bells, and it's all just one piece. Whereas the way I write songs is I write the music like completely first, 
with no lyrical inspiration behind the music. So that typically doesn't happen as much. It could happen after the fact when the lyrics get written, but uh, not like the way Linnell writes his. But the drums, Marty Beller's drums in this song, I want to know more about them because the sound of the drums, well, what did you, as, as someone who doesn't play the drums, what do you, uh, what did you notice about the drums in this song? If anything, <laughs> that well, uh, they do seem pretty constant throughout the song, and uh, it's a very uh, persistent. Like I beat. said, this, yeah, persistent. Exactly, that's the word. I want to know what um, drums, like particular drums, he used because the bass drum in the song sounds like a bigger bass drum than he usually uses. Now, this is getting into drummer details and minutia and stuff that I notice <laughs> as a drummer and a producer. Um, when you are recording uh, drums, there are a couple ways to do it. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it. But when you're recording a kick drum, the placement of the mic can greatly affect the type of tone you get from it, from the bass drum slash kick drum. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the size of the drum makes a difference. The wood of the drum makes a difference. How tight the heads of the drums are. If they have an outer head even on, sometimes they'll take the front head of the drum off. Like Marty's these days, I think it still has the dial-a-song bell. Is the, uh, the blue bell is on his front head. Sometimes when you're recording, you'll take that off completely. If you're looking for a more dry sound and less boomy. Um, or you keep the head on which is what I do, but you have a hole cut in the head, which lets out some of the air and decreases some of the boom, but not all of the boom. Uh, and then old school guys will go with just uh, a, a no hole in the head. So a head on there, old school style, Ringo style, there's no hole in the head, and you put the mic on the outside um, of the head. And if you have a hole, you could put the mic inside the head. If you have the head completely off, you could put the mic way in there. So there's so many different kinds of options. I had two mics on the kick drum, one in the hole and one on the outside. So then you have options. If you want a boomier sound, I've got the one pointed at the head to get the resonance of that head. And then I've got one going through that head to get mostly the, what you call the batter head. You've got the batter head. And the resonant head. Have I lost you completely? <laughs> uh, not entirely. Okay. What surprised me is that uh, um, you you think that this is done with the kick uh, drum, but uh, I, I always imagined it being the, like, I don't know the terminology, but uh, when there are tom-toms and there's, like, the largest one that we call the well in, in Polish, but I don't know what's it called in English. The floor tom. And, uh, it, uh, okay, the floor tom. Thank you. Uh, there's a, mm, a, and I always imagined uh, Marty hitting it with uh, like those felt tip uh, sticks. Yes, yeah. Uh, because it's very resonant. Yes. It's very rich. And this is why I want to talk to him about it, but he's not allowed to come on the pod uh, to talk about the MF Giants anymore, <laughs> which is very disappointing because I have so <laughs> many questions. Uh, I, well, okay, so that's, the, so that, that is also an option, okay? So if he's got a pretty big floor, Tom, like the standard. 
sizes of a floor tom or a low tom are um, 14 or 16, but you'll see guys that are crazy in metal bands or that have a lot of toms will have an 18 or a 20-inch floor tom, which is insane because a lot of bass drums are 20 Mm -hmm. inches. Um, My bass drum is 22 inches, but then you'll see guys with 24s or like John Bonham from Zeppelin or Questlove from The Roots have like a 26 or 28-inch bass drum. And theirs almost look like... So then the other option which I almost think is is what he used, is a concert bass drum. So like a symphonic bass drum. And those can be like 30, uh-huh. 36 inches, like gigantic, right? So like as tall as the player. And you've got a big felt oh, yeah. beater, right? Boom, boom, boom. So there's so many, like I can't quite, quite crack the case because there's a lot of ways to do it. And you can also fake the boom a little bit with reverb because there is some reverb on there so there's way too many variables here to really pin it down without actually going to the source but the basically i'm saying that i really like the drums because it's a different kind of sound (laughs) it's not that typical marty kit sound and and granted i i know he uses a lot of different kinds of drums in the studio just because the way they sound they probably also manipulate some in post and then there's ones with drum machine ones that have drum machine sounds combined with Marty. And, I mean, that's just another reason for me to love They Might Be Giants is because as a drummer, there's a lot of interesting percussion stuff in their songs in general. And this one, I love it. Oh, yeah. By the way, I heard your interview with the drum machine. It was uh, very good. I liked it a lot. (laughs) It came out better than I thought of it. I'm like, this is a stupid idea. But then I'm basically like, okay, I need to actually say the important information. And it's almost just like the drum machine is just uh, providing its opinions <laughs> by boop, boop, bah. You provide the fact that the drum machine provides opinions, of course. Because even though the, uh, the uh, I'm Deaf is like a weird kind of... I had to pick a song that had prominent drum machine, but also um, was interesting enough to make an episode about. Like, it could warrant like an hour-long episode maybe with another human... So I'm not quite sure if I should mark it off as done or not. Like if someone really wanted it, be like, I actually want to talk about I'm deaf more and the drum machine didn't (laughs) supply adequate conversation, then maybe I'd let someone try it. But for now, I think I've exited off. I think, did you learn enough about I'm deaf without having another human there to talk to me? I've learned plenty, and uh, I think that uh, the presence of the drum machine was very entertaining. Good, good. Yeah, it was a lot less work than the fingertips thing last year, doing all those separate edits. That took forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, it, it was fun, but it was like two, it was like over three hours worth of, of recording sessions that me and Tom Dunford did in, in two sittings. He got pretty drunk on the first one. It went so long. He's like, not going to lie to you, I'm a little drunk right now. <laughs> we should We should probably call it a night. Good times. Yeah. The drum machine, though, completely sober the whole time from what I could tell. Uh, the drum beats were just too so tight. You know, I was like stone cold sober. So, mm-hmm. okay. So uh, how about other... So the drums are interesting because it's mostly just kick and snare or bass drum and snare, whatever bass drum it is. Boom, cha, 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 boom, cha, boom. And there's no, like, there's not a whole lot of hi-hat. Now that I'm thinking about it. And we'll watch a live one later, so then maybe we can see if he uses those mallets, like you were saying. 
Um, so maybe mm-hmm. we can get a little clue later when we play that. But what else do you like about the music? Uh, I think we covered the drums pretty equitably. Yeah, the, we, I think we you entirely reverse engineered the drum section. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I, I've been wondering what makes this uh, song so uh, catchy and entertaining to listen to it, even without listening to the lyrics, which uh, which is uh, you know uh, of great quality in itself. Uh, but and I think that the whole song with the piano and uh, the choirs and the clapping of the hands and of course that beat that uh, persists, uh, it reminded me kind of of uh, like a. Like a gospel song, uh, like something that you'd get to sing in church together because you can clap your hands and stop your feet. Yeah, your feet it does and, have that uh, gospel. The yeah, the ooze. Yeah, good point. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, the ooh. It says that Linnell does all the backing vocals, and, and we mentioned uh, we mentioned this. This dawned on me. It, it is the day we were recording this. Um, what is it? The sixth. Yes. May 6th, 2020. It is John Flansburg's birthday. And we're talking about a song that he does not play on. The first track of I Like Fun, John Flansburg is not on, at least according to the credits on the wiki. Lead vocal and all backing vocals by Linnell. Keyboards, Linnell. And then Danny Weinkoff and Marty Beller. So there's no Miller or Flans. There is no guitar in this song at all. Whoops. <laughs> Yeah, well, what better way to celebrate Flansburg's uh, birthday than to talk about a song that uh, doesn't I- include him in the credits? Well, just, let's but say I have a conspiracy theory. We're giving him a day off. That song and Flansburg. Okay. I think that actually, I think that he might have, uh, because you, you know, because before you mentioned it that he hasn't uh, worked on that song, I was convinced from the uh, clarity of the lyrics and the. Um, I'm, I don't want to use the word conventional, but it's very. It, it sounds like a pop song, and uh, yeah. that w- to me is uh, I identify it as a Flansburg sound and sa- Flansburg lyrics. They're, they're, it's a very Flans- Flansburgian song. <laughs> Flansburgian. It, and, it, it, uh, it, uh, yeah, I can see that. So uh, I think because uh, some time ago you suggested that the song might have. Uh, political undertone so uh, I already have this conspiracy theory that maybe uh, Flansburg cannot speak out politically but every <laughs> but if, if uh, but if Linnell gets credited with this uh, song then you know nothing can happen because it's just another crazy <laughs> Linnell song and nothing you know <laughs> nothing uh, that to be taken literally or anything okay so we're saying that in general flansburg does write more of the straightforward lyrics than linnell so you're saying if flansburg saying this people would take it like straight up like let's get this over with like let's like what like let's get trump's presidency over with is that what what we're talking about well, that's the interpretation you've uh, you've suggested once. So, and I, I never imagined it being about Trump, which only dawned on me when you mentioned it. The, the, the groping in the dark and the spelling mistakes, and uh, <laughs> of course, of course, that's so that's so obvious. But before that, that song was uh, to me uh, clearly about uh, depression, and I don't, mm. and I know that we all interpret songs. Um, especially those that we don't have context for, uh, as 
you know, through the prism of our own experiences, uh, but uh, it really sounded like, you know, let's get it over with. Like, I heard another uh, person who suffered from great depression and uh, was uh, suicidal. It was severe clinical depression. Mm. Uh, and they they mentioned, they said something to uh, along those lines that Candice Page, they said exactly, uh, I feel like I'm in a movie that is lacking conclusion, that has should have ended long ago. Uh. And uh, Candice Page of Strange Gibberish get a final... Um, punctuation mark ah. uh, strikes very similar chords mm. and uh, the and one of the interpretations I've I'm sorry for going so dark with no uh, warning yeah <laughs> that yeah that is it comes with the territory with this band continue well yeah thank you uh, anyway uh, the, I I went through the interpretations on the wiki and uh, birth death um, strangely comforting view of life's banality. Which, uh, so, what's the title of the one you're looking at? The interpretation. It's not the clam bake, the underappreciated caterer. Trump exhaustion. Oh. <laughs> Which one are you looking at? I'm looking at uh, strangely comforting view of life's banality and. Uh, I see, yes. And also, and also the Grim Reaper and, uh, you know, it. it I'm not the only one who associates it with uh, with something uh, to do with the impending death, that it all goes round in circles and repeats itself until until it's over. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, d definitely. Um, I'm looking up uh, that, that, that person, the first one you mentioned, they talk about Closing Time by the band Semisonic. Uh, this mm -hmm. person says that there is a borrowed line from that song in Let's Get This Over With. So I'm, I'm looking. Okay, what lyric in Closing Time is in here? Oh, the clam bake. No, they don't talk about a clam bake. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you know that 90s rock song about a clam bake? Um, hurry up. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I mean, that's like... I don't know if, yeah, you don't uh, you yeah, don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. That's a pretty common expression in at least in American bars, like mm -hmm. yeah, when it's like okay, last call. That's like the cliched thing that a bartender would say. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think it's borrowed from that song. It's just like a common expression. What do you think? Well, it. Might be a common expression, but uh, the fact is that the first time I heard the song, when I heard uh, "You don't have to go home, but you can stay here," I instantly thought of that other song. Right, so, but but that I mean, you also live in a different country where that might not be. I mean, what do what do bartenders say? Also, do you call them bars or pubs? What's what's the translation of, or what, what's, what's, what do you call a place where you get your drink on? Well, we call it either a bar or a pub. Those, so it could uh, go either we, way. We use those loan words. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. What would the bartender say when it's time to get the fuck out? Well, the only time I was uh, kindly asked to get the fuck out was uh, <laughs> when, uh, when the waiter uh, passively, aggressively put a bill on my table. Sure. So, uh, 
uh, I, I think that's the only time I had that uh, pleasure. And the other time, uh, it was well past closing time, but the bartender passed out, so we started helping ourselves to the oh beer. Oh, my God. Um, what? Drinking on the job or tired been, passed out? Well, I, I hope he was drinking on the job because otherwise <laughs> that would be just, uh, you know, I'd be worried. No, he, he was he was passed out drunk. Uh, anyway. Uh, Is that not discouraged over the, there? Drinking by bartender? Yeah. Of course. Well, of course it is. I mean, uh, but I think uh, he also managed this, uh, uh, this place. He could break so the rules. He had the benefit. Yes, yes. It was his house, his rules. I make the rules, I break uh, the rules. Of course. Uh, anyways, I don't I don't think there is any, any sort of uh, expression. It's just uh, we're going to we're going to be closing, so if you could just wrap it up and there's uh, not, there's not a similar cliche in the Polish language. Uh, well, except for this one uh, particip uh, particular uh, bar I used to frequent where the uh, ladies who worked there remember the times of uh, the communism and uh, they had similar attitudes to uh, <laughs> the service uh, back uh, as back then. And they would just, you know, they were very straightforward. Yeah. They would tell you to get the... Clients, get the fuck out. <laughs> Please, sir, would you get the fuck out of here? <laughs> yes. I want to go home, so you need to go home. Understandable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They work long hours. My friend Johnny, who is in my band, Doppelpopolis, he was a bartender for 10 years, and his sleep schedule is like the complete opposite of mine. Um, like, to have a band practice at noon... That was like he'd be waking up and coming right to practice, and I would have already been up for like seven hours, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so I can understand. You're like, it's 2 a.m. I let you stay till 3 a.m. because I'm nice. Now, please leave immediately. I'm tired. You've overstayed your welcome. Yeah. It's a, it's a kind and gentle way of saying that. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I don't know. I think let, let's let's the people weigh in. Tweet or email. This might be a pod at Gmail. Is this quoting closing time by Semisonic? I say no. You say yes. So who knows? Yes, of course. Who knows? Let's let's agree on that on disagreeing. Uh, so of course. Uh, well, tweet. we'll never know. Linnell uh, will not tweet at us. He's not even on Twitter, as far as I can tell. <laughs> And he's uh, smart for doing so. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, what strikes me with that uh, line is that uh, I think that the original, well, by, by original song, I mean closing time, It's uh, I heard an interpretation that it's about uh, actually being born, uh, that it's no more drinking and it's uh, closing time. You cannot remain in the womb. You have to go out to the you know, world and breathe the real air. Hmm. Um, so with that uh, grim uh, undertone of that whole uh, lyric uh, of "Let's get this over with," this uh, this is like a, this is actually like a brighter moment. Uh, and what's with the clam bake? I'm looking at closing times lyrics, and maybe "Let's get this over with" is entirely referencing this song because this seems like it could be about birth and death, right? Like you said, coming out of the womb. 
I, uh, I know who I want to take me home, right? I want my mommy and daddy mm-hmm. to take me home. Or it could be, I want the Grim Reaper to take me home. I want God to take me home to heaven or whatever you might believe in. I want Satan to take me down to the bowels of hell. But then there's also <laughs> the line, closing time, um, time for you to go back to the places you will be from. So, because that to me is kind of like... Well, you're born, you're, you're nothingness, and then you're born, and then you die, and then you're mm-hmm. nothingness again. Ashes to ashes. For the atheists in, in the room. So, yeah, gather up your jackets and move to the exits. Hope you've, I hope you have found a friend. Um, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it starts out, you know, finish your whiskey or beer, blah, blah, blah. But then it kind of goes into the ambiguous territory, which is a way that a lot of they might be giants songs work you know I, i'm starting to appreciate the song closing time a lot more i i hope that it's not just about a bar closing because then i could give them some more credit i like there are so many lines i like in back to let's get this over with like we talked about how it mentions back the well. drums and the tempo right off the bat right mm-hmm. boom mm-hmm. boom 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 the drum beat never changes tempo it's steady like a rock and like a rock it crushes you as it gets louder and then the parking on the dance floor, immediately the first time I heard it, made me think of, man, it's so loud in here. And I was kind of hoping it would bust into like a, a, a dance club beat. <laughs> uh-huh. What are your favorite lines is, uh, in this is song? That a, yeah. Well, apart from, well, I, I was wondering if you consider it a dance song. Um, A dance song in like maybe like the 60s sense. You know, it's not like, oh, perhaps, yeah. you know, like in the 90s, like a dance club, you're thinking more kind of bass and sub bass and more. I mean, once you get into like the disco music in the 70s and then in the 90s, it was like almost disco was like reinvented with techno and house music and all this kind of stuff where all the songs have this similar drum beat. Drum machine was utilized. Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. the 60s, a lot of songs had similar beats where you either had the what I call the go-go beat, where it's like boom, ba ba boom, ba boom, ba ba Or you had the little shuffle. This is like a little shovel. Shuffle. Like it could almost, they could have, if, if he had more hi-hat in it, it almost could have turned into like a hotel detective type swing. Could have been like a jazzy swing song. But they made it more like the shuffle of like an early Beatles song or something. That's an interesting perspective. I always imagine it as a you know uh, hand clapping, uh, foot stomping yeah. uh, gospel number. Yeah, no, I like that too, especially with how sparse the drums are. It almost does sound like it could be stomping and clapping instead of bass mm-hmm. drum, snare drum. Like they could have replaced it with that, and it could have been just as effective. And then, like you said, the backing vocals, oh, which Linnell, it almost doesn't sound like Linnell. I, I kind of thought it was maybe a bunch of the guys. Yeah, yeah, I thought so, too, especially after seeing the live performances with uh, right. with uh, Dan Miller and uh, John Flansberg uh, doing the backing vocals. You know what? Let's go ahead and watch that, because I think then we can also check on Marty's drums, too. So I'm going to cue that up and take a little closer look and listen here.
know, I'm realizing that actually, yeah, in the intro of it, even on the album version, there is hi-hat in there doing that little shuffle. And then stamps and claps. Along the way in the album version, the, the hi-hat disappears. But that shuffle is pretty clear right off the bat. And there are claps, like like you said. Can't see Marty that well. He's kind of behind Miller. Yeah. I think you're going to have to keep on guessing until the next video surfaces. I mean, he's using sticks. If you're on the hi-hat, you definitely want to use sticks and not those mallets. Well, the stomping sounds at the beginning of the song might uh, well might as well have been uh, sampled, for all we know. So Right, uh, or the other option would be, because I've done all kinds of crazy stuff in the studio. I did a, a, a song on our last Outdoor Valor album where I overdubbed hi-hat, because the stuff I was doing on the kit, I was doing kick, snare, and crashes, but the stuff I was doing on the snare required two hands going almost the whole time. So then I overdubbed mm-hmm. like I had four hands, <laughs> and over the top, there's hi-hat going pretty fast over top. You could do almost anything these days with digital recording. So it could be a sample. It could be a manipulated bass drum sound. It could be that he recorded just his hands and then went and recorded a big concert bass drum over top of that. Mm-hmm. They, we'll never know unless yeah. we talk to them because there's just so many variables, especially with all the digital trickery that you can do these days. But, yeah, uh, but, but on the other, on one hand, a magician doesn't reveal uh, the secrets of his trade, but on the other hand, I, I know that uh, some creative types don't uh, can't wait until someone asks them about how they've done something that's really nifty. Marty would definitely want to talk about it, and that's why it's such a bummer that I haven't had him back on again. Um... I want to have him back on to talk about other just drummer stuff, but like he was like ready to talk about everything. Dan Hickey, when I talked to him, we talked about like specific types of snare drums. Brian Doherty, we were talking about like, oh, is the the end of bells are ringing? Did you record that in a really big room for natural reverb, or did you add the reverb? And he confirmed that they added the reverb. So like, there, even the Johns, I think will will be more likely to tell you stuff about the musical elements of the song. Like, oh, we use this really weird instrument. More so than they'd be willing to tell you about the lyrical. And uh, it's the lyrics that they really keep under wraps, like the their inspiration, right? They don't want to reveal it. Mm-hmm. But the musical tricks, they, they tend to talk about a little more openly. Um, but it would be interesting to talk to Marty about that to find out exactly what was going on there. Oh, it's like how uh, Brian Doherty was on the Linnell State Songs song, uh, Maine. And in Maine, it has that big boom. You know, like in the chorus, it's got all those booms. And in the booklet, CD booklet, it says that it's a cannon that's played by Brian Doherty. And I'm like, did you <laughs> did you fire off a cannon in the studio? He's like, I definitely did not fire off a cannon. And I asked him if he remembered, like, what is it actually? Is it a sample or is it a big bass drum or is it just like digital manipulation of your bass drum on the kit? And he's like, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny talking to the, the former members. They're like, man, that was so long ago. And to us, like we've been thinking about it and thinking about it and listening to it. But as a member of the band, like Hickey probably isn't going back and listening to Mink Carr like every week, you know, 
mm-hmm. we we'd like to imagine that he loves his own albums that he's on so much that he knows them backwards and forwards. But really, the reality is is that, um, and all these guys will tell you, oh, it's the John's band. He is like. I don't know, like he was a full member of the band, but he's like, I came in, I played the drums the way they like it, and then I left. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know how much input even Marty would have into like, oh, I, I think we should overdub a huge concert bass drum. Like, I would be cool, it would be cool in my brain to be like, oh, that's what they did. Marty was like, I got this idea, but it could just be Linnell like, hey, Marty, we're going to drop in a big, you know, bass drum sample here. Mm-hmm. Who knows? All those other guys, they're just like, it's the Johns Band. And I'm like, okay. It's kind of disappointing to hear them talk like that, especially the the five, you know, the three dudes that they got behind them right now. You'd like to think that they have a input into the songs, you know, not the lyrics, but you'd like to think they have input into, like, the, the way the songs are put together. But it doesn't seem like they have all that much say, as, 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 in, except for, like, the fine details. Like, I don't think they're writing out Danny's bass parts. Um, or Marty's guitar solos, but maybe they are. I don't know. Didn't they like uh, have uh, more input on the kids' albums, though? Oh yeah, yeah. They were actually allowed to write songs. I mean, Miller did Miller contribute a song? And I mean, Danny has had songs on all the kids' albums. Um, yeah, even on No. And Marty had songs on Science. And one, two, threes. I can't remember if he had one on ABCs. But yeah, it was it was the first time they were allowed to have their own songs on. Um, and then you'll see them credited like I'm a paleontologist. They might be giants featuring Danny Weinkoff, which is such a weird thing to do because like in a hip hop song, if it's like a Kanye West song featuring. I don't even fucking know. Rihanna doing the vocal mm-hmm. hook like it'll say like Rihanna is not part of Kanye's band or crew Uh she's an outside artist performing on it but danny is in the band like it does technically the word the definition of the word featured he is featured because he's singing the lead vocal which he never does except on those few songs but like saying featuring danny wankoff you're like he's been there the whole time (laughs) at least since 1997 (laughs) right is that weird is that weird or is that just me i think it's a the kind of marketing uh, borrowed from infomercials. You take a trait of a product that has always been there and uh, exaggerate it. Because right. It so- because it makes it sound amazing. <laughs> yeah. Assuming that a band can be a, a product, that a, a music can be a product and a band member can be a feature. Um, <laughs> Pardon me, pardon me, Greg. I uh, need to go for a second because yeah. I, I hear an intercom calling. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, get back to you in a few minutes. Okay. Sure. Thanks. Yeah.
sound. Oh, get your guitar, I see. i
we go. Let me put the other awesome. one back on. I think you nailed it. Nailed it. That was as much of a disaster as I was hoping it would be. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, believe it or not, but I actually enjoyed it. Especially the initial part, which was uh, very, um, well, unexpected. It was so, so slow and sluggish and uh, rich in sound. Yes. Well, are you familiar with, and I brought it up a couple times on other episodes, but are you familiar with the genre called shoegaze that was popularized in the UK in the early uh, yes, 90s? Yes, I've heard of it, and it's uh, kind of... Uh, yeah, I, I was uh, thinking along the lines of Dinosaur Jr., uh, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm using his signature guitar. That's oh, a really? J. Maskis guitar. Amazing. It is. Yeah. And I was using a big muff pedal, which uh, he has two of on his pedal board. Two big muffs? So that, that was kind of my plan. See, the problem was I had practiced the main chord progressions, but then as I scrolled down, I'm like, oh, they left out the second uh -huh. and third verses rather than rewriting it. It just has the chord progressions, assuming that you have the whole song memorized, which I do not. Um song's only three years old. I mean, come on, give me some time. <laughs> they write so many songs. I have everything me memorized probably up through the else, <laughs> at least, you know? Uh, but yeah, so that, I, you know, the whole idea of me doing those is that it's sloppy. But it should be a pretty good recording. I actually fired up the... So my amp is in... Past that wall in that room, which is the vocal booth slash amp vault, and it has a microphone on it, or else it would have been a lot louder for you. The amp is not in this room with me. It is in that room, which is full of padding, uh -huh. sound insulation. So uh, it'll it'll the mix will be a lot better when we hear it. The performance will still be <laughs> bad, and I don't think I'm gonna edit it at all because I think part of the charm of these is that like okay, I'd only played it. I played it on my acoustic guitar right before we called the first time. And then I played it for like three minutes while you were talking to your parents. And then you called back and that was it. I, I had not once played the bridge actually, or I played the bridge once, but that, that was basically with like five minutes of practice that I went ahead and did that. So, uh, and my plan was just to get by on pure fuzz and noise. So, uh, that uh, I, I think I was successful in in making a lot of noise. <laughs> I think it was even better than just making a lot of noise. <laughs> All right, thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, I could probably mix just that portion down and send that to you too after this, so you can, so you can hear it a little better. Um, but for now, let's. You were talking about <clears throat> your favorite lines in the lyrics, and then we'll get to the proper cover section, and I'll plug that in over there. So I think. We could say, let's get this over with. Let's finish talking about the lyrics, and then we'll do those yes. covers that we found. So regarding the... So do you remember what you were about I, to say? Uh, I've got the lyrics open in a, in a tab right here, so uh, I don't have to remember anything. Um, what uh, the, My favorite lines in the lyrics are, um, I think, uh, well, apart from the sound, uh, song self-referencing itself, self-referencing itself, uh, yeah. and uh, mm -hmm. being recursive and all, I, I think that uh, 
what what really strikes a, a very deep core uh, chord with, uh, within me is that the, the, the whole reference to that uh, beat, to that rhythm, as a universal thing, as, you know, planet going around the sun, and uh, at the same time, w us uh -huh. being able to observe the shadow getting longer and uh, you know, the, the, the cosmic uh, reality and rhythm um, influencing our daily reality and rhythm. And uh, everybody knows how this goes, so let's get over it and let's get this uh, over it. So it, it's like one of those interpretations. is the this this futility and the banality of uh, everyday life, um, you know, mm -hmm. juxtaposed with the with the larger re reality that we might not even be aware of, but uh, the ec which echoes in our yeah. everyday life. Um, what I like is that uh, the job, uh, even when you're out of work, your job knows what it is. Uh, it's like it's like a yeah. higher um, meaning to life, like a higher calling that we might yeah. be having. The the, the, the deeper meaning um, we need to give to our lives, even if we to ourselves are clueless. At least that's how I. Yeah, at least yeah. that's how I um, associate with this song, and uh, the job knowing what it is, uh, what it is, it's coming to get you. It's it's super scary at first, which, uh, which I think <laughs> is a natural. Yeah, uh, I think that talking to myself even when I'm saying you is a way to calm the listener down because uh, this uh, line is very scary, and uh, this is to say that I get this way too. <laughs> I uh, I also get get like this. I uh, the, the the while looking for meaning for my place in the world and in the universe, I'm uh, I'm getting keep getting reminded that uh, it's all going to end. It's all going to pass. <laughs> wow, we are we are squeezing a lot out of these lyrics. There are many different interpretations that are. Uh I feel are very valid on this one. I mean, I'm a, I'm a cynical liberal American who went to the Trump thing like immediately because like fucking like, okay, oh my God, we're almost done with this. Right. But in January of 2018 and when they wrote the song, he had, he had been in office like a year and a half or whatever. We're like, let's get this over with already. And all the right spelling mistakes, the groping, the strange gibberish, um, <clears throat> no applause, awkward pause, Hand extended, waiting for a shake. He's a very weird <laughs> handshaker. He'll like pull people in. Like he has all these weird, these weird mannerisms that I can't explain. And the when you wake up, you can feel your hair grow. Okay, so the 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 thought is that he's a lot more bald that he let lets onto, and he's got his weird swept over hair. It's like a weird back to front to back kind of comb over, is what it looks like, right? Um, crawl out of your cave creep across the ground. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things I could relate to that, but it's it probably is more along the lines of what you're saying about mortality and um, the higher levels of... 
yeah, I mean, I liked your interpretation a lot. Um, I'm just fucking sick of this president, and and my brain goes to that any yeah, chance that it gets. I can imagine <laughs> you're you're sick of the political situation in your in your country, similarly to uh, you know the way I could be sick of the one in mine. Uh, but uh, and I I'm grateful to you for uh, opening my eyes to that interpretation. However. Uh, you know, hand extended, waiting for a shake, awkward pause, no applause, uh, no applause. Uh, every, uh, the feeling of awkwardness and being out of place and being and not being welcome. This is uh, these are all qualities of uh, uh, of the human condition. I think so. Uh, maybe this song can be about both uh, Trump and uh, you know. Exist an existential crisis, I suppose, because uh, uh, in the end we, yeah. uh, in the end, our haircuts are going to uh, look silly, and uh, we we all have. Well, maybe you don't, but I know I do. I'm uh, <laughs> have have uh, various mannerisms that uh, I overanalyze and feel uh, silly and bad about constantly. Uh, well, when you're doing a podcast every week and you have to listen back and edit them, and I'm just like, God, I say so, the word so, so much. <laughs> and then I just did it again. It's like, <clears throat> instead of saying um, I go, so, I just hang on to it until my brain catches up to my mouth. And so these little vocal mannerisms are caught on tape and broadcast to the world unless I chop them out, which I do chop some of them out. Uh there are an embarrassing amount of so yes. That's typically it's mm-hmm. a so yeah. Is 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 it? Yeah, I feel yeah, and and I think any human who's not a total egomaniac can find faults in themselves, and you just hope that you know you come to grips with with that, and you are a human, and you're allowed to have faults, and you don't let it completely drag you down. But it does seem like this guy in the song is totally being dragged down by everything so but it can be about someone who is oblivious to those uh, uh, someone who's like no it's everyone else who's wrong and uh, I'm the smart one yeah could go that way too yeah yeah it's uh, just like the greatest they might be giant songs I mean not that something like James K. Polk that's about a president like you can you know me and and Steve and Dan went into that for two hours and 15 minutes. So there's plenty to talk about, but the ones with the interpretations, which is most of them, they're not just straight about a subject. I mean, the kids songs more so, but the adult songs, there's a lot to dig into on this one. And this song is, I mean, it's only, I mean, it's three minutes, three minutes and seven seconds. So it's not Mm -hmm. a short, short song, but there's a lot to get out of this, you know, pop song. Yeah, I agree. Should we get to the cover section? Let's do that before I go on to yeah. say that this is the prophecy of uh, the yellow Roosevelt uh, fulfilled. <laughs> All right, let's let's do the uh, the acapella one that you found first. Let's do that first. So yeah, okay. it, it's always interesting. I love finding acapella ones, and this one surprised me especially because it is just straight up one gal singing it. 
It's not a bunch of mm-hmm. overdubs, fancy, like, barbershop quartet-style acapella. It's just one gal, and this is Annie Acapellas is the channel. So, right away, you can see, and she's standing by herself with the microphone in front of her, over in front of a very cool splattery paint backdrop. Um, mm-hmm. Annie Acapellas is the YouTube, Annie underscore Acapellas. And let's get this over with just from about a year ago. So let's check that out. The drumbeat never changes tempo. It's steady like a rock. And like a rock, it crushes you as it gets louder. The drum gets louder and louder. And you know there is no parking on the dance floor. And when you wake up, you can feel your hair grow. Crawl out of your cave and you can watch your shadow creep across the ground until the day is done. All the while the planet circles round the sun. Everybody knows how this goes, so let's get over it and let's get this over with. So pretty straightforward. What do you what do you think about it? So it is pretty pretty straightforward, and uh, you know, uh, props to the uh, sing- singer Annie Acapella, Annie, yeah. who uh, is is very. Um, confident about uh, her voice and uh, has a nice singing voice uh, and it's a, I think it's a tough song to a cappella too because it uh, relies so much on the rhythm and uh, uh, this wall of sound created by the backing vocals um, so you know props to, the, to her for trying although I cannot honestly say that I really like that cover yeah, it's it's almost too simple, and I'd like to hear, you know, she's the channel is called Annie Acapellas, but if she has, she appears to have a decent microphone, so if she has some recording software, which you can get multi-tracking recording software for free, if you have a Mac, you have GarageBand, if you have a PC, there is uh, Audacity, there might be other ones, some other ones that have free trials and such, like Reaper, um, and I don't think it's even ex- expensive when you buy it, but but whatever it is, I think you know with her vocal skills, she could easily layer over top of herself, uh, which is what a lot of these acapella covers are. I've rarely found an acapella cover that is actually a group of people singing together live. Usually, it is one person stacking the vocals themselves um, in the kind of modern acapella group, <laughs> manufactured acapella group. But it's the way they might be giants too. If if all the vocals in the original are Linnell, there's at least four of him going at one time when those o's come in so Mm -hmm. yeah i'd like to hear annie step up her game take it to the next level and let's hear that voice three or four layers thick on your next day might be giants cover that would be that would be awesome there's this guy uh called uh, i think jim jim labbap or something like that and he did a, a cover of uh birdhouse in your soul right and uh, uh-huh, he yeah. recorded all those voices a cappella, and it really sounds uh, amazing. And uh, well, uh, Annie has a different singing style, so it might it's go it would be different, but it would be great to hear her uh, yeah. do you know dub dub herself four times. Yeah, she definitely has the the skill to harmonize herself. I think the one thing I, I liked it, but what I want to know is if it was intentional that she was keeping the tempo not so steady like a rock. Because there were some times where, and it could just be she didn't notice, because there's no percussion going with her, um, that there were times when she would jump ahead 
like skipping a rest or some spot where like a instrument would be playing, jumping into the next mm-hmm. line, like just a smidge early or slowing down a smidge. There were a couple like tempo shifts in it that maybe people wouldn't know, but the drummer in me notices. And I'm thinking it probably was not intentional, though it would be cool if she is like, well, the song talks about right off the jump that, you know, the tempo, you know, it never changes tempo but I'm going to go ahead and change tempo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Probably not. Let's check out. Uh, yeah, that's, what? Sorry. No, no, I mean, I just wanted to say that uh, I don't uh, feel surprised that she skips those uh, fragments because, you know, it's, it would be really awkward for her just to stand there and wait for the, you know, next four bars to pass. And uh, Oh yeah. This, this wasn't change. even, yeah, this wasn't even so much that it was like little, like, two or three beat things like instead of waiting for the next entrance like a couple beats later she would just go right Mm -hmm. into it yeah i I mean obviously you're not just gonna stand there or i mean acapella groups you'll hear them sing the instruments you know uh so she could have done that you know if she's multi-layering herself that would make more sense let's check out james hastings cover he's been played on a bunch of episodes lately it seems like um, I can't, I should really keep track of who I play on what episode, but he's been played a couple times recently. Um, and let's hear his version from the white t-shirt sessions, he calls it. Um, and he says he, he might be along the lines of what I was thinking. He recorded this before, just, uh, not even a year after I like fun was out December, 2018. I feel like this song is a good proper 2018 mood. Let's ring in the new year, and most importantly, get it the hell over with. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, yeah, let's get this year over with, whether it's political or not. He's like, let's get 2018 over with. So let's listen to it. I'm going to listen to a little bit more of this. The drumbeat never changes tempo. It's steady like a rock, and like a rock, it crushes you as it gets louder. The drum gets louder. And louder, and you know there is no parking on the dance floor. And when you wake up, you can feel your hair grow, crawl out of your cave, and you can watch your shadow creep across the ground until the day is done. All the while, the planet circles round the sun. Everybody knows how this goes, so let's get over it and let's get this over with. Even when you're out of work, you still have a job to do. Even when you don't know what it is, your job knows what it is. I think that uh, this cover, I'm not very f- well. F- I'm not very familiar with James Hastings' uh, other covers uh, of They Might Be Giants, but. Um, it, it it strikes me as very similar to um, what Tenacious D might do. Okay. It very Tenacious D to me. Okay. Because the goofy <laughs> things he does with his voice, uh, the exaggerations, and uh, sometimes it sounds almost violently American with the way he, <laughs> you know, plays with his uh, voice. It sounds like something out of a... a, a Ted Nugent's PSA, or I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I I took it more as like kind of that like over dramatically f- 
folky folk rock kind of feel more than Ted Nugent. And maybe it's just because it's with acoustic guitar. But to me, it's like those little vocal stylings of like Bumford and Sons or the Abbott Brothers or something like that, where it's like, hey, I'm old timey or whatever. And, you know, every genre of music, the guys take on, you know, the singers will take on the vibe of the music. Like in a Mm -hmm. heavy metal band, obviously they're going to sing in an aggressive tone. And if you're folky, you're going to sing in a folky tone. You know, it just makes sense. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's like um, taking it to that that uh, modern folk kind of angle. Um, I like that he changed the key. You don't see that a whole lot with covers, um, fan covers of stuff. But he's got a capo on. You can see that little clampy deal. If you don't know what it is, I got uh-huh. one right here. There it is. There's my capo. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Mm -hmm. And so he raises the key and sings in like some, there might be some falsetto going on there. He bumps it up from what Linnell is singing. Oh, and I just clicked over to his channel. He was on the um, When the Lights Come On and Push Back the Hands. I That Push Back the Hands just got claimed. So that one I've not heard yet. I feel like there's one other one, but I, I don't see it right now. But I feel like it's a it's a very competent cover. He's a great singer and a great guitarist. The style, he makes it his own, which a good cover you should. Well, definitely. I uh, I enjoyed that cover. Um, and uh, I I'm really amused by the vocal stylings and the and the silly things he he, he does with his uh, voice. <laughs> he might be offended to hear you calling them silly. I don't think he's meaning for them to be silly. Honestly. Really? Yes. Well, then I apologize in advance in, in case uh, they're not meant as such, but to, to me they just <laughs> sound exaggerated. They, they are. They are. I, I think if he had a full band backing him, you wouldn't notice it as much. But like anything, when you go just, I mean, acapella especially, or just one instrument, just an acoustic guitar under you, you notice every vocal inflection even more. It's amplified, you know. Um, well, if they were like electric guitars and drums going underneath, it might seem to fit, you know, like that over, pushing it over the top kind of vocal um, might not seem as out of place if he had a, you know, bass guitar and drummer behind him. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. got a very powerful voice. He does. Yeah, great guitar player, too. Um, As you can see, I messed it up quite a bit when I played it. So I made it my own by making it just loud and sloppy. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's time to score this song. Oh, man. How do you score it? (laughs) Did you forget about that element? I almost forgot about it. That's such a big responsibility. I know. Um, I... (laughs) The problem with all those songs is that, uh, you know, uh, there's plenty of uh, songs that I've heard and I like, and there's plenty of songs that I heard once and never listened to again because I um, I haven't grown enough to appreciate them yet because yeah. they might be giants to me. They uh, it's never it's never like a song that I don't like. Uh, like wearing a raincoat was used to be a song that I would. Uh, skip just yeah. because it started, you know, weirdly or it, or it does start like weirdly, that. yeah. Wearing a raincoat, yeah, like the way he sings, even. <laughs> but you don't skip I don't it anymore. Skip it anymore. I I I really enjoy it, and what usually um, attracts me to a, a song uh, is uh, 
is the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, wearing a raincoat is a, is a real uh, trip for a bag, uh, for a lack of a better word. Uh-huh. And uh, let's get this over with is, uh, is, you know, pretty straightforward. To me, it's a, it's a, it's a hit. It's a ready-made hit. Uh, yeah. Like I said, it has a. To, to me, it's very Flansbergian and uh, <laughs> very pop. And uh, even though he claims not to have uh, done anything with it, and mm-hmm. I, I, I just give it a, a, a straight ten. A ten. Wow. Okay. I really like the song, and I was just scrolling back through my spreadsheet to see what I'd given other I like fun songs, and. I gave, let's see, the first I Like Fun song I did, I did one pretty close to the start of the pod because I started it the tail end of 2017, um, tail end of 2018. Um, let's see. By the time you get this, I gave a 7.2. Let's see, just scrolling quick, let's see. I Like Fun, I gave a 7. Um... I left my body. I gave a seven. A lot of sevens on I Like Fun. You know, this one I think is an eight. I'm giving it a, a flat eight. Because uh, it is it's just a killer Linnell track to start the album. And I love the percussive elements I talked about extensively. And uh, the lyrics are open to so much interpretation. I think that's what makes the greatest They Might Be Giant songs so great. So, eight. Let's agree on that then, because I only said 10 because I wanted to get this over with. <laughs> you know, if you know, it's your third episode. I think you can throw 10s out there, and this is a great song. You know, I mean, you picked it. You clearly liked it, and it, it is great. For me, an 8, 9, or 10, I mean, those are all fantastic songs. Even, um, you know. So, do you have anything to plug, Machek? Anything you want to tell the people about? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> That's fine. Are there places that people can see your videos? You know, I've, I I think I've set up an all uh, a, a YouTube channel a long time ago. Uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, searchable. Uh, let me check. Uh, no, it's not even searchable. I'm not ready to have a YouTube presence. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> All right, well, I think uh, that's that's it then. Um, I'd, I'd love to see some of your video work. And like I said, if you want to send that that company one that you use to uh, that use the part of Particle Man cover in, I'd love to see that. And I'm sure uh, I'll, I'll send Cat Voltron a message here and see if um, we can get it to them too because I'm sure they'd be honored that... Uh, a bunch of Polish folks saw it at a conference. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, the, that's, the highest, that's the highest form of flattery. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, it's got international uh, radio play, essentially. Right? <laughs> Look at it that way. Well, kind of. <laughs> radio Free Europe. So, uh, thanks again for being on, Maciek. It, it's been a long time. It's good to talk to you. Good to talk to you too. Thank you very much for inviting me over, and uh, um, it was a lot of fun to talk about this song. I'm glad I uh, got to talk about it because it's uh, one of my favorite songs uh, by They Might Be Giants. And uh, I hope to talk to you 
sometime again. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah, everyone else, uh, this might be a podcast.com. This might be a podcast.bandcamp.com. I'll, I'll put this sloppy cover up there and um, all the other social medias and such. Uh, for notes about this episode, if you want to chime in about what your interpretation of this episode is or what you think the bass drum actually is, what, what that bass drum sound is uh, played by. Uh, this might be a pod at Gmail and leave voicemails at 224-801-2930. And um, thanks again, man. And uh, sign it off. Thanks. Thanks again. And have a good one. Hurry up and let's get this over with.